I did not know what it meant to have a feminist theology until I became a Unitarian Universalist. I had glimmerings before then, but no real words for it. Only in the crucible of a women's group studying women's religious history did I begin to understand that there was such a thing and that such a theology could give expression to my dissatisfaction with traditional religion and traditional images of God and that it could begin to open up new and creative spiritual expressions. My first experience of feminist theology was with goddess spirituality. That experience quickly expanded to other areas, including earth-centered spiritualities. And then I went to seminary. Between being a member of a Unitarian Universalist congregation and being a seminarian, I was learning some pretty edgy stuff compared to what I had grown up with religiously. Mary Daly's Beyond God the Father, Rosemary Radford Reuter's Sexism and God Talk, and Sally McFaig's, uh, McFaig's Models of God, for example, deconstructed traditional ideas and offered new ways of seeing the world. My seminary theology professor, who I have the good fortune to be working with again in my doctoral studies, included Matthew Fox's creation spirituality in our coursework. That opened up a creative, ecological, and feminist approach to Judeo-Christianity for me. I was also fortunate in seminary to study with a visiting professor, a South African theologian who had been engaged in the work of apartheid. And from him, I was introduced to third world theologies, liberation theology, ecofeminism, and womanist theologies. So what you, you may be wondering at this point is, what is this thing, feminist theology? What, what does she mean when she's saying that? And different people will have different, somewhat different takes on this, but basically feminist theology came into full bloom in the late 20th century, and it was a critique of patriarchal texts and patriarchal traditions. Basically said that the God depicted in traditional religion needed to be rejected for justifying the domination of women. But this God, they said, was also perpetuating slavery, colonialism, war, and environmental degradation. The emerging feminist theology was linked with things like revaluing the body, as well as with civil rights, anti-poverty, and anti-war movements. Alice Walker's excerpt from The Color Purple expresses these views in beautiful sensory language. The first step is away from the old white God. What replaces that is a God that is everything and everywhere. A God embodied in experience. In feeling and touching and hearing and seeing. 
in religious experience that honors the body rather than shaming it, in religious experience that includes and honors nature, trees, air, birds, that includes the relational dimension of life. It includes all people, not just some people, and embraces the joyful experience of being connected to everything. The novel The Color Purple, how many of you read the novel The Color Purple? Maybe saw the movie if you didn't read the, the book. The novel is structured around letters written to God by the main protagonist, Celie. At the story's <clears throat> opening, <clears throat> she is only 14 years old. She is an uneducated black girl in rural Georgia. Her father beats and rapes her. He twice impregnates her. And each time, he takes her newborn into the woods and returns alone. Celie's mother dies and her father remarries, but the abuse continues. Soon enough, she is married off into a loveless marriage. Celie describes her first understanding of God as being an old white man with a beard. Clearly, this God did not speak to her lived experience. How could how could that God have spoken to her? Her first step toward an actual embodied experience of the divine you heard in the reading, it was realizing that God has no particular gender and no particular race, and that indeed God can be found everywhere and anywhere. By the close of the novel, Celie writes to God these words, Dear God, Dear stars, dear trees, dear sky, dear peoples, dear everything, dear God. The traditional theology Celie had learned failed to take her into account. Traditional religious texts and traditions are communicated from a nearly exclusively male perspective and therefore cannot help but be skewed. The historian Gerda Lerner argues that our whole culture is infused with a certain way of thinking as a result of this. It is not enough, she argues, to simply add women on. What is needed is a whole restructuring of the way religion is conceived. I am struck by this idea, not only in terms of the level of anti-woman sentiment we're now witnessing in our culture and our world, but also in the context of this church's work on anti-racism, which intersects with issues of sexism. We are learning here in this community that we are situated in a culture steeped in white supremacy and institutional racism, as well as ableism, sexism, homophobia, and 
all the other isms. And it is not enough simply to add people on. The very structures upon which our society and our religion are based need to be reformed. I want you just to think for a moment about our work with the women and children incarcerated at the Burke's Detention Center. Nine of the asylum-seeking women and their children were deported this week. Society is still structured on a domination model that degrades and denies the real lived experiences of women, and especially women of color, in this case, Latinx women and children, beginning with the abuse and violence in their home countries and including their incarceration here for 18 months followed by the decision by this country's highest court, the Supreme Court, not to entertain their case. And so they were deported, returned to what is considered the murder capital of the world. Those of us who have been working on this issue really closely have tried to find some, something positive, some point of hope in all of this, and the one bright spot we've been able to find is that arrangements have been made for them to be met when they return to their home country, met by a caring organization that will help keep them safe. Among the many things that I have learned from feminist theology, and one of the most important is that it is a way of acknowledging women's experiences. But it's more than that. See, it's a way of reconceiving human thought and experience. Feminist theology is about a more evolved way of being in the world, one that appreciates the fuller scope of human experience. It's not just about women's experiences. It's about everyone's experiences. It's about all beings. It is intersectional, addressing issues of gender, class, culture, race, ability. It's not about exchanging a male god for a female goddess. Women and girls sometimes need female images to counter the male domination images that are so prevalent in our culture and which persist in our consciousness. And feminine language can be helpful in being woman-affirming. Yet, we all do well, as Tracy pointed out so well, to acknowledge that God and goddess language, like all language for the holy, is metaphorical. These are ways that we try to name what is most ultimate to us. One of the things that feminist theology is not is it is not about making women's experiences more important than men's, nor is it about remaining in a limited gender 
binary. Let's be honest, even the words male and female we are learning do not encompass the realities of people's real lived experiences. Carol Christ and Judith Plaskow are two scholars who have been writing and working in the field of feminist theology for a few decades now. And they speak of this idea of feminist theology as embodied theology. Plaskow focuses on Jewish feminist theology and Christ on goddess feminist theology. And in their concluding chapter, they describe embodied theology this way. And I just want to share their words with you. We believe that the world and the body are our true home, that divinity can and must be known in the world and in the body, and that this world is the one where we live out our lives and where our choices make a difference. This conviction, which underlies all of our theological insights, is so basic to our thought that we have largely taken it for granted. Yet we acknowledge that to locate the meaning and purpose of human life in this world flies in the face of many traditional views, both Eastern and Western. Numerous traditional philosophers and theologians have argued that embodied relational experience is finally unreal or insignificant because the goal of human life is to escape the body and the finite world in order to unite with the infinite a transcendent divinity or ultimate principle the embodied theological method we propose as a way, a new way of constructing theologies begins with the insight that theology is rooted in experience. Theology rooted in experience. While our Unitarian Universalist faith certainly places great importance on reason and intellect, we have increasingly come to embrace an embodied theology. Experience is located in the body. Human understandings of the world are not attained solely through our rational minds, the capacities to feel, touch, hear taste, and smell the holy are just as or more crucial. God can be felt, not just thought about. Being part of everything is not just an idea, but also the actual experience of feeling that if I cut a tree, my arm will bleed. An important part of feminist embodied spirituality has been extending the circle of inclusion to the material world of the body and nature. Bodies and religion have too often been ignored or disparaged. Feminist theology insists that the divine is experienced through the body and that divinity can be found in the material world. Our first Unitarian Universalist source articulates the centrality of sensory experience and our sixth source with its emphasis on nature's cycles honors the material world. Feminist embodied 
theology is consistent with Unitarian Universalist theology. Ours is sometimes described as a kind of a unity and diversity. And this means that we don't all believe exactly the same thing. And I'm not suggesting this morning that we should. Or that the image that you have for God is the wrong one or the right one. Or that you must even have an image of divinity. But what I am suggesting is that there are some basic values that we hold in common as a community and that embodied theology describes many of those shared values. We collectively honor and respect our interconnectedness to each other, to all life, to birds, to trees, to air, to people. We know that each of us is in some way a part of everything. Our aspiration is for a great belonging of all. That interconnection of all existence. Our great Longing is for justice that includes rather than excludes. May we commit ourselves to weaving and strengthening this embodied web of connection. May we insist on changing structures designed for disconnection and disunity. May ours be a religion striving toward the embodiment of being and loving. Amen and blessed be.